give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analysts, favorite draft analysts. It's the Draft Dak NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Talbot, and I am here, as per usual, with Albert Garbage Time Gim. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Albert, what's going on, brother? It's it's good to be back. It feels like it's been freaking forever. Um, I had to send the fax this morning to Corey to let him know. Uh, that I'm back, I'm back in the building, and I'm ready to go. Shouts to Rucker uh, for filling in. He was unbelievable on both episodes. No, he really was, and I think you know Rucker's really, really great. So want to thank him for um, filling in. I've been just traveling so much for work, but it is so good to be back. And you know what, Corey? This is why we do it. We do it so that one day we don't need to have day jobs and we can do this full time. So it feels good to be back, and I'm ready to rock. Yes, sir. Um, shout out. Tyler Rucker, backcourt violation on holding it down. But today, we are heading down south to cover Mr. Kennedy Chandler, Tennessee point guard, 19 years old on draft night, listed at six foot, 172 pounds with a reported 6'5 wingspan. We'll see on measurements what he uh, actually measures out at. I would wager he does not hit the six foot threshold, but listed at six foot. Average 13.9 points per game, 3.2 rebounds per game, 4.7 assists per game to 2.5 turnovers per game, and 2.2 steals per game. Shot 46.4% from the field, 38.3% from three, and 60.6% at the free throw line. Had a true shooting percentage of 53.9%. PER of 20.2. Stock price preseason. ESPN had him at 13. SB Nation had him at 19. Bleacher Report at 11, Basketball News at 14, Tankathon at 14, average stock price of 14.2, came in at number 13 on the Draft Act IPO to enter the season. Currently, ESPN has him at 19, The Athletic has him at 30, Tankathon at 18, Basketball News at 16, Bleacher Report at 17, The Ringer at 20, No Ceilings at 24, average price of 18. So went from... An average price of 14.2 to an average price of 18. So not a huge drop, um, ultimately, when the season ended. And because there was a time when Kennedy Chandler was falling out of the first round pretty consistently on most boards. Uh, he really helped himself at the end of the season into uh, his little run in the tournament. Um, so big time close to the season to get his draft stock back on track. So at an average stock price of 18, Albert, I ask you, is Kennedy Chandler stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? I think one of the blessings that I had um, about being away for work and stuff is that Corey and I haven't been able to talk much. So I'm uh, able to come in and kind of shock him a little bit here, but oh man, I, I'm going to say, ready? 18 is too high for me. And I want to explain why a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And and I want to explain why a little bit. I I think watching Chandler's tape and it really took me like four or five different uh, times to really dive in for me to like get to where I'm at. And because, because Corey, to be honest, I really wanted to fight my own biases as well and be as objective as possible, but I'm not super high on Kennedy Chandler. It's kind of where I'm ending up right now. And so I'm all right. Yeah. Before I go into detail, I want to say 18 is too high for me. I think he should be lower um, is where I feel is how I feel right now. I mean, I don't think that's a abnormal feeling for Kennedy Chandler. I think there are a lot of people (laughs) that are uh, headed in that direction. And after watching his film, I'm torn to be completely honest, because on my board, he's probably closer to the back end of the first round. But the reason that he is, is because I have a little PTSD from Sharif Cooper last year. Sharif Cooper, another short point guard, 
known for his playmaking. And he was an absolutely elite playmaker. Uh, got to the rim at an elite rate. Knocked down his free throws at 80% clip. And he fell to what? Was it like 48 in the second round? Right? And Something we were like sitting that. in Brooklyn together, just waiting to, to see his name called and hear his name called. And we were waiting, and we were waiting, and we were waiting. And finally it happened, but it was late. And, I mean, there were a number of point guards even in the second round taken before him. So it's not even like, you know, it was first-round point guards. He was, I mean, the Knicks passed on him twice in the second round, right? Um, the Bulls passed. I mean, there were a number of teams that had a point guard opening and that passed on him. Now, Sharif Cooper and Kennedy Chandler are not the same player. But the reason that I'm, I feel his talent warrants his price point, but I'm a little nervous about, placing him on my board too high because I don't know if the NBA is moving away from him or not and players like him. You see, and now Fred Van Vliet has been hurt, you know, in the playoffs and whatnot, but you see like the Raptors going to their bigger lineups is given the Sixers trouble. You know, I, I wrote an article about, you know, what would Masai do? with a, a prospect, right? Like for no ceilings where I was saying like Masai would take big wings. Like that's what, where the game is going. Kevin Durant recently said like, eventually everyone's going to be six foot nine on the basketball court and skilled. That's where it seems like the game is headed in the future. Kenny Chandler, I think is going to measure at five eleven without shoes. Maybe that's what I would guess. Now he maybe has, the he has the six, five wingspan and he looks like he has a long wingspan. So that's absolutely going to help him. Um, because I think that there is a noticeable difference on the defense end between Kennedy Chandler and Shreve Cooper, which we'll get into. But I think that it's hard for short point guards to really make an impact because you look at the NBA game today and it's length, skill, versatility, switching up and down a lineup. And it's going to be hard for a player like Kennedy Chandler to do that. So, that's kind of why I feel like it's right. I feel like it's the right spot. I wouldn't be like shocked if he goes around that range. I wouldn't be hesitant team to, to not do it. Um, personally, I think I might go a different direction because there will be a number of players I like on my board, but as a, t- a talent, I totally get it. And I think, you know, you saw the cons- competitive spirit. You saw the shot improve the three point shot. You saw, a lot of what he brings to the team. I wrote about Kennedy Chandler this year um, about his pace, which is something we'll talk about. I love a lot of things about him. I just, I'm worried about short point guards and their future in the NBA because there are not a lot of sub six foot point guards in the NBA right now. And it's going to be an uphill climb. Albert, if you had $10 to invest in Kennedy Chandler, Ty Ty Washington and Jan Montero, how would you split up your $10? Yeah, I think I'd just give the $10 bill over to you, Corey. Um, that's that's a really tough group, dude. I don't know. Maybe I'll go and buy some lunch or something. Um, no, I, I'm being way too extreme here. Um, I actually like Montero a lot um, from what I've seen. Ty Ty was a guy that I thought he had. It was literally the tale of two halves of the season for him when he was healthy and not healthy, which I think says a lot. Um, I think when he was healthy, he was really starting to flash and starting to show some stuff. So, okay, let me stop talking here. I'm going to give Kennedy Chandler like $2. Uh, I'm good to give uh, Montero and Ty Ty split $4 each is, I think, where I'll go. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give Montero four. And I'm going to give Ty Ty and Kennedy Chandler three. I don't think there is a big difference between the group and Yan Montero after I just went on that big rant about short point guards is another guy (laughs) that is a short, (laughs) short point guard who had trouble finishing at the rim an inconsistent shooter. I buy his shot long-term a little bit more. I think he might be a comparable playmaker. And I think the context and we'll, you know, have a a Montero episode at some point where we go into it. Uh, So I still like him a lot, even though he had a weird developmental season. Ty Ty. I like, uh, I think that he's kind of the easiest guy that will slot in with the highest floor um, as a role player. 
I think a lot of people are starting to sleep on Ty Ty a lot, probably myself included. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but I think they're all pretty much grouped together, which I guess at the end of the day doesn't say a lot about this crop of point guards. But there will probably be one somewhere that makes a big impact, whether it's one from that group, maybe Dalen Terry stays in the draft, maybe it's Alondis Williams. You know, some there's going to be a point guard somewhere at some point in this draft that turns into, you know, a plus plus rotation player. Let's get into the scattering report. Let's talk about the shooting because the shooting is an interesting conversation with Kennedy Chandler, I feel like. Now, on one hand, he, sh- he finished the year shooting 38% from three. That's a pretty good number. On the other hand, he shot 60% from the free throw line. Now, for a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you know how big a fan I was of Davion Mitchell last year. Another guy who had a good season shooting the ball from behind the arc, struggled at the free throw line, short guard, right? You figure Kenny Chandler, probably my bag after after that. But um, I bought Davion's form a little bit more. Kenny Chandler, I think, I don't think he's a going to be a bad three-point shooter necessarily. Like, I don't look at his shot and go, team shouldn't respect that. He'll knock some down. But there are some things functionally. I feel like he holds the ball on top, like his hand is on top of the ball as he's bringing the ball up, where, you know, typically you would like catapult it with your, your palm back, right, on the, on the fingertips, out of your palm. You can put a couple of fingers under the ball. You know, for him, I feel like he's he's holding it and lifting the ball almost before the release. And it's weird when it comes off his fingertips, it looks pretty good. I just feel like the way he initially loads up into his shot is something he's going to have to alter a little bit. But I, uh, that's my main concern. And then the free throw shooting is inconsistent. Again, like, can he turn himself into a 70% shooter? I think with reps, he probably can. But I think he's going to have to make some slight adjustments. And if he goes to the right developmental context, I don't see why he couldn't. But what did you think about him, Kennedy Chandler as a shooter who knocked down 38% of his three-point shots? <sighs> I... Corey, I'm really fighting myself not to be like super negative on this pod. Maybe I have something against Tennessee guys. I was really hard on Keon Johnson last year too. However, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Where I'm at with his shooting, what I wrote in my notes is what is there to like here uh, was Ooh. what I first wrote. Um, <laughs> and I think for me, as I watched him shoot, like you, you know, you keep referring to the fact that he got better over the course of the season. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue that it if, it started to go in more. My issue with him was why did he airball so many mid-range jump shots um, with my big, my, my first one? He airballed so many mid-range jump shots. I'm like, what the hell am I watching here was the first thing. Corey, I really liked what you talked about in terms of the mechanic stuff because obviously you, you have way more expertise on this than I do. But the one thing that I thought I saw that I wanted to bring up to you and I was wondering if you saw the same thing. One of the biggest things that you learn when you're learning how to play basketball as a kid, you're playing camps, whatever, that when you're learning how to dribble a ball or deal with anything you do with the basketball, they tell you, don't use your palm, use your fingertips, right? Um, That's one thing that I noticed with the shooting where I thought he was getting a lot of palm, dude. And that's just maybe it's from what I saw. I thought I thought he got a ton of palm on his shot, which is why you'd get like weird rotation and stuff. And it just was not pretty. And so the more I watched him shoot, like I understand, like it started to go in more. But the mechanics of it, the eye test of it, you just mentioned the Davion part of it where Davion, you could see it like the form looked good, man. And he just needed more reps and more time and to play on the NBA level in his rookie season. Yeah. Maybe he didn't shoot like the lights out, but you see the potential with Davion, right? With Kennedy, I don't feel the same at all. And maybe once again, this is me just being really harsh on him, but there was nothing about his shot where I was like, I, I can't wait to see him shoot on the next level. I don't feel that at all. I think there are real mechanical issues that he needs to work out. And my thing is like, if he's struggling that much for the mid-range, and I, I didn't count how many of them, but I was watching his tape. I'm like, God damn, how many air balls from the mid-range? Um, so I was definitely uh, not encouraged much with his shooting is how I feel, how I felt um, so far coming out of it. Yeah, you know, I think when you talk about the palm, a lot of that has to do with, you know, 
what I was talking about with the load up where he's kind of like, it, it seems like he's almost carrying the ball up, you know, and if you're watching this on, you know, the no ceilings YouTube channel, uh, he, he kind of like, it's like a claw, like the claw, you know, from liar, liar. Like that's how he brings it up. And then he like kind of brings his, his wrist back. So I feel like that, again, it's the mechanical issue. The, for him, the mid-range shot is obviously something that would help him a lot. You see Chris Paul as a Big small time. guard thrive there. Jalen Brunson. Yeah. Um, right. You know, that that's kind of a shot that you need. I I probably have a little more faith in it than you do. The three-point shooting was interesting because it was like it, it came in waves. Like he started out the year pretty hot. Then he went through like a big cold streak and then he finished the year right. hot. You know, I, I'd like to think the optimistic side of me you know, he's a guy, obviously, versus, you know, he's a a guy that you could put the ball in his hands and we'll talk about his playmaking and he can create his own offense um, and he can create his own shot. But I do think that he's a guy that can also thrive playing off the ball, playing off of another superstar in certain team contract uh, context. And he's a guy that can catch and shoot eventually at a decent clip. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with his shooting. I don't know how much crazy advanced off the bounce three point shooting he he'll get to in his career. If he does, we're talking about, you know, like maybe you strike gold later in the draft because there's so much else about his game that I do really enjoy. And I don't think the shooting's broken. I just don't. I also don't think that there's like a super optimistic ceiling for him either. I think he'll kind of, be an average shooter, you know, somebody that will make you pay, maybe get hot every once in a while. But for the most part, you know, if you leave them open and you're short clothes, maybe, you know, you'll get lucky. So, but I think he'll be a good enough shooter that he'll be able to get into the paint and, you know, use his speed. And, you know, you, you do have to guard him especially because when the ball swings his way, he'll know where to go with the ball. And he's quick enough to, even if you close out short, he could still go by you. So what did you think about him as a self creator? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, okay. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be look. Cause Corey, this, this is like something I really believe in. Um, I hate being negative on prospects because, I mean, if someone were to critique me and how I do at my day job, I would hate it if somebody was just like, yeah, this guy's trash on the phone. He's terrible <laughs> with the customers, has no idea what he's talking about. I would hate that. So I, I don't want to do that. With, with Kennedy, I just feel like this is what I feel. Um, I, I don't love and this, this is weird because I don't know if they correlate, but I think they do. I don't love his body, man. I, I feel like mm-hmm. there are he doesn't have much burst to him at all like i know he's got like a little jitterbug to him a little bit and even that is not like incredible in my eyes um but the thing is like his i think his handle is fine like i don't think his handle is special or elite and you know what Corey? i want to say this you mentioned sharif cooper at the top of the podcast and when i think about the pod that we did about sharif and we had concerns and questions about sharif cooper as well I personally like Sharif Coop Cooper way more than I like Kennedy Chandler is kind of how I feel right now. And it's because of the things that I'm bringing up right now, even like his creation stuff. Like I, I, I get it. Like I think he can run pick and roll. Obviously, of course he's a point guard. He's going to have to, especially on the NBA. I think he, he can do it well enough. I just haven't, my biggest thing with him is I haven't seen anything special and I don't feel like there was anything where he was like, ridiculously good at now at the same time we're not talking about a guy who's in the top 10 top five conversation so maybe that's on me to kind of kind of i don't know well what's the word i'm looking for for but anyway i i just even with the self-creation the handle i thought it was fine the burst i thought was fine um i didn't see anything special so for me i i i'm a little lukewarm on that too is kind of where i'm at if that makes sense i i'm i'm the other way on his ability to create. I I think that, I mean, like I, I think that Sharif is a higher rated prospect. I had Sharif, uh, I want to say 10 on my board last year. I don't remember exactly where I had him, but somewhere around there. Uh, I think that his handle was, was tighter. I think that his playmaking ability was at a higher level, but I really love the pace in which Kennedy Chandler plays as 
a creator with the ball in his hands. And I wrote about that with no ceilings, you know, um, I, I, I said the, the whole article was basically a play on, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. And that was the, right. the pace in which he played. He goes slow to fast. He will have little quick bursts to the hoop. And it's, it's maybe not the elite speed. Like I think that Davion Mitchell had this start stop quick first step that was one of the reasons I thought he wasn't gonna have a problem going to the hoop at the next level. Like Kenny Chandler, I don't think has the same quick burst for a step as a guy like Davion, but I do think that he is very quick. And then, I mean, in the open floor, he's a blaze, you know, but uh, in the half court, which we're talking about, I think that he's, he uses, he's very crafty. You know, I think he's the most point guardy point guard in the class, like the most traditional guy as far as having the ball in in his hands and he'll go slow to fast. He'll go high to low and he'll do little things, hit you with a hezzy and then go. So he does these little crafty things as a creator that I like. And then, you know, he'll make a quick burst to the hoop and try to, you know, finish. And I I think finishing might be an issue at the next level. He wasn't a a terrible finisher this year. Um, Close twos per Bartrovic, 59.8%. Now that also includes transition. So that number is probably a little bit lower in the half court. Um, and there were a number of times that, you know, he'd kind of go underneath the hoop, which a lot of players use as a way to kind of deter a shot blocker and the shot blocker would be able to get there anyway. Cause again, he's short and that does matter. But um, he also had moments where he was finishing pretty smoothly over Walker Kessler when they played Auburn. So there are examples of good finishing. And I think that, the floater is going to be something that he has in his bag that he'll be able to, to use. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was like great shooting his floaters and this year. And I think that like him shooting kind of that mid range again, like you said, like 32% on far twos. Like I think it's something he'll be able to hit here and there, but it won't be a, a big part of his game. So I think that he has enough in his bag to create his own offense when he's not going to have to do it as like the main guy in a role that's much more of a facilitator. I think, you know, maybe he's, he doesn't have the attention of the defense like he did in college. I think that'll help him as well. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I I mean, I I don't want to argue with that because I think essentially it comes back to, again, the frame that you're looking at him uh, through I think Corey like we haven't got into it yet but I feel like you're almost describing him as like a fourth or like a third fourth fifth guard off your bench um, type of guy which I, I think makes sense like I, I'm definitely cool with that like I have I'm definitely I don't want people to misread what I'm saying and think I'm saying like oh he doesn't deserve to be in the NBA I'm just thinking like starting point I, I was think, looking through the frame of like a starting point guard is what I was looking at. And like, I'm having a lot of trouble seeing that. Um, I I think for me, Corey, what you mentioned with the pace, I I don't disagree with that at all. My only counter to that is like, I think the pace is good, but I felt like a lot of the stuff that I was watching when we're looking at prospects, a lot of times we're trying to project them. Okay. How does what this guy's doing in college project to the next level? And just from what I saw, from my opinion, I thought some of it was, hey, this is good, but it's against college competition. And I don't know if that's going to work against NBA wing defenders or guard defenders was kind of how I felt. But at the same time, like on the other end of that, uh, on the other side of that coin, it's like, well, he's not going to be the exact same player he was in college in the NBA either. So um, I think that's the trouble that I'm having here. Like I really want to like him because I know that I generally don't love small guards. But there were good things, too, that I noticed, as you mentioned, man, like there are these little savvy things that he can do on the court with hesitations, change of pace, and then also like playing fast as well. Like these are good things like he's going to push it in transition and do good things. But I I think I just struggled with like the translatability of his game. But at the same time, that shouldn't be like a complete indictment against him as an NBA prospect either. So I'm trying to balance myself out here. I Well, I don't think that you're wrong in thinking that he's probably going to be a bench guard in, in the NBA. You know, I, I think when you look at the, some of the small guard, like Fred Van Vliet obviously turned himself into an all-star, potentially all NBA caliber guy, but he's playing on a Raptors team that 
basically everybody else on the floor is like six nine two thirty <laughs> with like a seven two wingspan, and it's almost like they can compensate for having a smaller shiftier guard on the floor um so like if you put him in that context, I think he can you know play in that situation. I think that he could be a spot starter. Like, I don't necessarily know if you're trying to build out a championship team, if he is the guy that you want to be quarterbacking the, the team as a, a point guard. Cause again, like he's the Agreed. most like traditional point guardy guy, you know, it's like Darius Garland's got those point guard skills, but he's also a guy that like can go and get you 30, right? Like something like that. Like Kennedy Chandler, I don't think he's going to be that kind of guy. I think he's going to be, somebody that you want to come in, be steady, not make a lot of decisions, facilitate, push the pace and come off your bench and just give the deep, you know, the other team a different look maybe that you weren't getting. Right. And uh, so I understand the translatability stuff. And if you're looking at him from the lens of like, is he going to be a starting guard? You'll struggle. Now, if you look, if you say like, all right, at, at 18, if I'm getting a bench, like a good bench point guard, is that worth taking around that range? you're probably not going to find traditionally 18 players per draft that like carve out a decent role at the NBA level. So if you say like, all right, he's a bench guy. I think that's worth taking at 18. If he's, if he turns himself into a good bench point guard, which is why I'm not out on him being selected there. And if you told me that he was going to get an opportunity, then I would say, yeah, absolutely. Take the shot because he's talented. I think he's got a high IQ you know, we haven't talked about the facilitating yet. Like, I think he's a good passer. I don't think he's an elite passer. You know, five assists to two point yes. five turnovers, like pretty good. Um, he may, you know, he's good in the pick and roll. He'll make, the, he'll hit the, the roll man, can make a slick pocket pass, good penetrating, getting paint touches, you know, hitting the drop off or driving kicks, stuff like that. Uh, I think that eventually he'll be able to, you know, make those like, advanced weak side hits coming off a ball screen but you know that's something like that's going to be hard with his height but i like his playmaking and i think that's another and again he i think he's gonna be a really good playmaker um in transition when he's got guys on their heels in space you know i, I think that's the the type of player he's gonna be but yeah i i, I like him as a facilitator as a playmaker i don't think he's the level of Sharif. I just, I want him to get a shot because, and you know what? Sharif Cooper may still get a shot. You know, he, he had some really yeah. good moments in, in the G league, right. you know, was putting up some huge numbers. He's just playing behind Trey young and he doesn't offer anything that Trey young doesn't offer on Atlanta. Like it's like the worst team for him to go to. Um, I guess like you could put him in eventually in the game behind Trey and you could run the same exact thing, but you're not giving a different look at all. So, maybe he gets, you know, a shot and we see a small point guard renaissance in, in some way, but um, that's why I'm, I'm not like pushing back because I think contextually, he's probably going to be a bench guard. Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you. I think for me, you know, when I was watching his playmaking, his passing, um, <laughs> this is like really corny stuff, but like, I thought he throw he throws a really strong chest pass. <laughs> No, it's not corny. Like, I mean, that's it's, a- yeah, I it, he's really good at it, and um, I think he he makes really good live dribble passes with with either hand. Um, that was exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, you you want guys who, if you're going to entrust playmaking to them, if they can make live dribble passes with both hands, that's a really good skill. So this is, I guess, this is a part where I'm higher. I, I can be high on Chandler because I'm with you, man. Like I, I I didn't see like elite elite level passing or anything like that, but Hey man, he can make passes and he's good at it. And as you mentioned in transition, very effective, very lively, good stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think like, like on the technical side, I was like, yeah, do great chess pass, really good live dribble passes with each, with either hand. And those are really, really good tools. And so, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about before Corey, like if, you're talking about, you know, a backup point guard, right? You want a guy who can do that stuff for you. A guy who is going to come in, play with the second unit and organize things. There are a lot of teams who can use an organizer, not just in their not just with their second unit, but even with their first unit. I feel like the Knicks were sorely lacking that this year. We needed an organizer. And so a guy like Kennedy Chandler can make sense on the Knicks. Not that I'm saying the Knicks should use a first round pick on him is it's kind of how I feel because if the Knicks end up at like 10 or 12, like I would 
much rather us grab like a really toolsy wing, but this is not a yeah. podcast about the Knicks. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, with, Ch with Chandler, you know, he has good skills. And this is where I can talk very positively about him. I think there's a lot that he can do as a passer, which is way more exciting than the other things I talked about. Yeah, the, I, the Knicks should not draft Kennedy Chandler. The Knicks should <laughs> go in a different direction. One of the, the underrated Amen. things, one of the underrated things about his game that I think he's actually like excellent at, he is a really impressive cutter. Oh, has, yes, yes. He has a great feel moving off of the ball and understanding when to hit little gaps and the timing and he gets a lot of easy buckets like that. And that's something that I, I was really impressed by um, because, you know, guards like him who have the ball in their hands a lot, typically, you know, when they don't have the ball, maybe they'll be a floor spacer, right? But they're not necessarily guys who are like adept at making smart decisions, moving off the ball and, and finding gaps and stuff like that. So I was, I was really impressed by his cutting. No, I agree, man. I mean, Tennessee, they ran like a lot of like two guard lineups with that other dude. I yeah, somehow sorry, he wasn't the bring... shortest uh, guard on, <laughs> on in his on his team. Uh, Tennessee started <laughs> the, the volunteers uh, started the season saying we're going to zag on everyone and just run two tiny guards out there and see what's Speed. up. Speed's and, the name um, of the game. <laughs> yeah. But hey, Corey, I will say. I actually really like that for Chandler because he showed scouts like, hey, guys, like I'm going to do a lot with the ball in my hands, but I can also play off of it. You know, if, yeah. if we're thinking if, if I'm in a very positive mindset right now, I'm thinking like, OK, with Chandler, we, we can write him down as a developing shooter, a guy who can really pass a ball and who can and who showed that he can play off ball in college. So th these are good things. Right. So I think that's one area where because of the situation that he was in and as you mentioned, the off ball movement and, you know, developing catch and shoot uh, ability of his. These are pluses for him, right? He's showing yeah. NBA teams like, oh, there's versatility to me. I don't need the ball in my hands, and I have, and like I don't need some ridiculous usage rate. I can do both, so that's another plus for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's take a quick, uh, quick break, and then let's hit the defense. Oh, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, uh, we're back. Let's talk about Kennedy Chandler as a defender, because we talked a lot about how he's short and how NBA teams like to play these jumbo lineups and, you know, gone are the days of the short point guard. Now we have Josh Giddy and, you know, guys like that manning the position, LaMelo ball. Um, and he's a guy that is probably going to be guarding one position, maybe two, right? Are you worried about him? And his six foot five wingspan, which will help. Are you worried about him as a defender at the next level? Um, yeah. So uh, defense is my biggest concern with Kennedy Chandler. Um, once again, Corey, I'm not trying to be negative, not trying to be nasty, but when I when I watched his tape, when he was going up against guys like Iverson Molinar or Scottie Pippen Jr. or guys who were, you know, to be totally honest, were not too far from his size. I mean, we're when we talk about like Scottie Pippen Jr. and Molinar, these are not like gigantic point guards, but no, I, Pippen Jr. I just saw part. them right. I I kind of saw them walk right by him. Um, my concern with 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 Chandler defensively, I thought he got destroyed by screens, which is not uncommon for a guy his size. A lot of guys who are smaller like that. And also he's not physically an imposing guy. I think, you know, we've mentioned he has good length, but he's not like a stocky. Like you mentioned Fred Van Vliet, right? His physique is, in my opinion, very different from Fred Van Vliet, where Fred Van Vliet is kind of like he's the classic kind of. Uh, fire hydrant type of body for a small guard you know he's short but also he's he's got some girth to him you know it's yeah 
God, this is leading to a dick joke. But, um, you know, <laughs> he's got, you know, he's got a good physicality to him. Right. But Kennedy Chandler, I didn't feel the same. I thought he not only did he get destroyed. He's not, by Sharif. he's not Sharif skinny. I think he's like he's got a he's got good shoulders. I think he's somewhere in between yeah. like Sharif and and Fred Van Fleet as okay from a yeah. frame perspective. Like I don't I don't think that he's this like twig that you're gonna you know you blow on him a little bit and he's gonna another dick joke and he's gonna you know <laughs> fly away. Um. So yes, I agree. I agree, but at the same time, like there were a lot of possessions where I just didn't like that people were walking by him. And I, I, I also felt like sometimes like the screen navigation stuff, the pick and roll stuff, like I, I for from what I saw, at least like I, I just I felt like he was getting lost a lot and it wasn't very encouraging for me. And then if we consider the fact that he's going to be like 5'11", 5'10", 6 foot, I, I have some real concerns. I'm not saying he's a nightmare. He's not like a train wreck defender. There are plus like he, there are times where you see that length, right? He can do good things with his hands, but for me, just like I, I think maybe it's a discipline thing. Maybe he needs to continue to watch tape and develop um, physically. I, I hope he gains more weight and not just like I, I'm not telling him to go Raymond Felton here, but I am saying like he's got to improve that physique a little bit, in my opinion, and he can get there. But I, for me personally, Corey, I thought defense was my biggest concern with him. That's interesting. And I'm not saying that you're wrong, because, again, like, I think the way that NBA teams want to defend, I think that in the regular season, it might be something you can get away with a lot of times hiding him. But in a playoff series, which is, you know, when we're thinking, we want to ultimately think about these guys in a playoff context in games that matter. And you see how intense the playoffs are now. Maybe, you you, you know, teams are going to hunt him a little bit. But 6'5 wingspan. He averaged 2.2 steals a game. Because I think he's actually, I, I think he's pesky. Um, I think he's got quick hands. He knows how to play the passing lanes. And, you know, a lot of times guys get a lot of steals, play the passing lanes, you say they gamble a lot. I, I don't think he's gambling a lot. I do think he knows what's going on. And I think he fights and he competes. And I, I thought he was a pretty good college defender. I did. It's not to say that, like, look, Iris and Molinar and Scotty Pippen Jr., like, those dudes are buckets. Like, those dudes could score. Scotty Pippen Jr. has been scoring for a long for sure. time in college basketball. So, you know, those guys are going to get a leg up on him every now and then. But overall, I I wasn't discouraged by what I saw on the tape as a college defender. But I do have my concerns, like we said, on how many positions he's going to guard. What happens, you know, if he's playing on a team in the Eastern Conference and he's got to worry about getting switched on to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Or he's got to worry about getting switched on. Like Scotty Barnes might be starting at point guard for the Raptors, you know? Like that's the kind of stuff I think he would really have a hard time with because even though he has a 6'5 wingspan and even though I think he's strong, I think that at the end of the day, you could still turn and shoot over him if you have some height, you know? So that, that is my concern defensively. I, I think it's just a physical limitation thing. And uh, I, I don't, there's not really a way to get around it. And the, the bigger the league gets in that regard, where it, it's drifting more and more towards these wings, the harder it's going to be. And I think it, the NBA is going to keep evolving that way. So uh, it's a hard read, but I think that as a bench piece, it matters a little bit less. I just don't know how many minutes he's going to get in a playoff setting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think once again, like where I'm coming from was like, could I see him be the number one guard on the team or not the number one guard, but like playing point guard. So yeah. for me, Corey, I agree with everything that you said. Like, I won't discredit him as a college offender. For me, once again, I think my biggest, like, I don't like his base. I feel like he doesn't have a strong lower half. And there were so many instances where I was watching where he would get moved by bigger guys. And the reason why you get like these smaller guards in the league who can stick around and, and have staying power as defenders, like a, like a Chris Paul is because of the strong base that they have. Right. You even Lowry. I, exactly. So that's where my concern is with him the most. Um, so essentially like I am agreeing with you. Um, it's just, yeah, like once again, I was just thinking like translatability again, and I'm just yeah NBA context. I have some concerns. Yeah, it's right. different, you right. know. And you talk yeah. about guys at 
college level and you look at the NBA level, like, you know, I, Iris and Molinar might not get drafted. Scotty Pippen's right. probably not going to get drafted. And right. instead you're going to a position that's loaded with talent in the NBA point guard. It's like, I mean, everybody's got good, good guards and every night. And then that's again, so much of the NBA is switching and, you know, scheme versatility and sizes. Now it's an issue for scheme versatile guys, you know, and look at, look at Trey in the playoffs, right? What did he offer? He had a, a really tough series offensively. Right. And it's not like he's a guy that can go make up for it on the defensive end, you know? So if a guy like Trey and Grant, you know, playing the Miami heat, that that defensive lineup that they can throw out there with Kyle Crazy. Lowry, and PJ Tucker, and Jimmy Butler, and you know, maybe even Victor Oladipo and then right. uh, bam out of bite. Like that's, it's unreal. The, no knock against Trey, but if Trey's having a bad series, he shoot, he's shooting three for 12 or games like that. He can't make up for it on the defensive side of the ball. And Kennedy Chandler is not the offensive talent that Trey young is. And I do think that Kennedy Chandler has, you know, better physical gifts than Trey young does to guard defensively, but still he's going to deal with a lot of the same things where he's going to have to be a plus offensive guy to potentially make up for the fact that he might be a minus defensively, despite the fact that I think he'll give the effort. So that's where I'm at with him as a defender. Uh, Again, with point guards, he's got to be able to get through screens. He's got to be able to keep his man in front. And then he's just got to be able to fight when he gets switched. That's the bottom line. What team do you think gives Kennedy Chandler the best shot to give you an ROI? Dear God. Well, maybe, I mean, you brought it up. Maybe, actually, no, no, I hate that too. Dear God. I, I actually don't know. So, Corey, when, you may not like this, but what I wrote in my notes here is when I when I thought about Kennedy Chandler and I tried to be as objective as possible, I saw him as either or. I saw him as either he's going to have a 12-year career in the NBA as a backup. Yeah. He's going to play on like eight different teams and just be okay right not make a ton of money but be in the league for 12 years mm-hmm. or i could see him in europe being phenomenal um and and i don't and i don't want our listeners to take that as like me sliding Ken, kennedy chandler playing in europe and being great is really really hard to do um and and, and i want to kind of preface everything i'm saying by saying that because that's like the range that i have him as like i think he can either be really good for a long time as a backup as a fourth guard whatever or he can go to Europe and be like phenomenal. Um, it's kind of how I feel because of like everything that we've talked about. He's an organizer. He's a classic point guard. In Europe, they love those classic point guards. Guys who are going to, you know, be a little zippy, a little, you know, they're going to have some zest to them. And he's, he's going to be a competitor like we've mentioned. But also he's going to organize the t- He's going to organize the team. He's going to organize the offense. He's going to run the offense so i could see him being phenomenal in europe whether he's playing in greece or in spain or wherever you know i think he'd be really really good out there or he could be like a good decent backup so in terms of team i'm not sure but that's how i see him in terms of like career outlook so as far as teams i'm looking for a team that he can go to that already has like a bunch of positional size and his size maybe doesn't matter as much. So I'm looking at a team at the back end of the first round, like Milwaukee, you know, they have drew, but they, their backup point guard situation. Isn't anything to write home about who knows. I don't George Hill. It feels like has been on in street clothes for the last couple of years. I feel like he can go and be a backup there. And he has Giannis, he has Brooke Lopez, you know, he's got Chris Middleton, he's, and Drew Holiday to, he can kind of go there and just, that would be an effortless fit. And they have the the physical traits and the physical tools surrounding him where he can kind of play to his strengths. I kind of like that fit. Memphis, if they lose Jones, um, maybe he can be a, a replacement of sorts. Jaw's going to be manning the point guard position for a bunch of those minutes he can kind of slide in, just kind of be play spot minutes and and kind of do somewhat similar things, play smart, change of pace, get guys into their stuff. I feel like those were two options that I'd, I'd feel comfortable in. 
Okay, th- that's fair. Can I throw one at you, Corey? I just yeah, I want to hear your I want to hear your answer because it ran like as you were talking, I thought about it. Maybe it's like I don't know. Like you don't really think about these types of players going to a team like this, but what if like with all the crap that they went through this season um, and the the absolutely disappointing season that they had, what if they added him and he comes off the bench, plays a little bit, plays when LeBron's not on the floor? How do you feel about the Lakers? Is what I wanted to throw at you. I have no idea what the Lakers are going to look like. <laughs> I know, next I know, year. I know, I know. I have no idea. Um, you know what? I, I don't know. I because LeBron's the kind of guy. He has the ball in his hands so much, and again, you know, I think Chandler as a spot up shooter, maybe that's how he hits a good amount of shots. He's he's a smart cutter. Anthony Davis, LeBron, LeBron. I mean, he'll turn it on when he needs to. I don't know how much effort he's giving defensively during the regular season obviously anthony davis if he's healthy can make up for a lot of mis- you know misgivings for his team i don't know i i don't want anybody to go to the lakers because that team is a <laughs> i know disaster. i know but i was but, thinking off the bench you know yeah yeah i look i i could see it i could see it i like austin reeves though i like austin reeves there and i think he does a lot of the you know the the bat he could be do a lot of the backup point guard stuff and secondary ball handler off the bench type stuff uh, if you're buying stock in Kennedy Chandler, who may you have bought stock in previously? This was really, really hard for me. Uh, like, I, really, really hard. Um, I was, like, thinking of guys, like, recently, right? Like, Tyus Jones, Trey Jones, the Jones brothers, whatever. But then I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't think it was clean. I mean, not that the guys that I have next are clean either, and you might give me shit for it. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, Scott Skiles, Terrell Brandon back in the day. Smaller <laughs> car. Revan Knight. <laughs> Brevin, I was hoping, you, I was hoping you were going to go that way. Yeah, um, you know, I, it's like smaller guard who can pass, but like you know, has their limitations. Scott Skiles, Bulls legend, Bulls coaching legend, <laughs> Scott Skiles. Um, I went with two guys, both well, one not like old school, old school. Ty Lawson. Um, when he, you know Fair. his Denver, his good Denver years, like I feel like that could be like a high end outcome, and then. A guy like Ish Smith, who's been in the NBA a long time, short guard, burst, you know, can play change of pace, can come off the bench and run a second unit, play smart, not make a lot of mistakes, but also if you need him to be a spot starter, he can. I feel like that's kind of a pretty realistic outcome for him. Uh, shout out Kizis Productions um, from the YouTube chat. He said if he turns into a guy on the level of the Jones brothers, TJ McConnell, or even Monty Morris, that's a win. So some other guys, but I kind of liked the Ish Smith um, path for for Kennedy Chandler. And I I think it's a realistic outcome for him. No, I mean, Corey, essentially, I I mentioned before, right? I thought he could be a backup who plays for like seven different teams. You just meant that's 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 Ish Smith. Smith. That's exactly. (laughs) So perfect. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right, Albert, you're going to have to, you know, turn this ship around now because it's time for America's favorite segment. I'm going to need you to sell me this pen on Kennedy Chandler. So this is the clip that we're going to play to pilot and Bic and all of these pen companies. Cause they're wanting, they're going to want to endorse us after this. Cause this is the hardest one I've ever done. Right. But here we go. Kennedy Chandler. Uh, Kennedy, if you're an NBA team, you're looking for a backup guard. You need a second guard, third guard, a guy who's going to contribute to a uh, competitive, playoff championship caliber team who knows right you're gonna want a guy like kennedy chandler he's a guy who uh it can obviously handle the ball uh, he's a guy who can really pass the ball he's gonna he's gonna play hard he's gonna be feisty if you like jose alvarado and what he's doing for the new orleans pelicans right now kennedy chandler can be that type of guy for you maybe he won't be as saucy as uh alvarado is for the <laughs> pelicans but Chandler Chandler might offer you a little bit more in terms of playmaking, and there might be some shooting potential with him as well. So once again, if you're a competitive team and you need a backup point guard, maybe you have a great point guard, but you need someone to come off the bench and give you some good energy, move the ball, organize things, send people the right way, run pick and roll, then Kennedy Chandler is a guy that you should definitely spend a draft pick on. There it is. You turned it around. You you did a complete 180. (laughs) Albert, tell the people where they can find you. 
Uh, you can find me uh, probably probably my name will be in some Reddit chats uh, from like Tennessee volunteer fans. And they're just going to be like, <laughs> this Asian dude just took a shit on Kennedy Chandler this week. We should hate him. But anyway, that's where you'll find me. You'll also find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. I've pretty much given up on GTG NBA. It just never stuck yeah. for me. And I just it's smart. Make you, it don't wanna, you don't want to have two different yeah. things. Just have one. It was too hard to find you. Yeah, yeah, it was way too hard. So I'm just going to, hey, Alberto Gim is where you find me. Um, and um, that's where you'll continue to find me. And I'm excited to keep doing more exciting stuff with you guys. That's where you, I, I want to say you broke the Hyung Jung Lee uh, draft announcement. <laughs> you know, now you let the, the world know he's declaring for the NBA draft. So, I mean, if you weren't following, maybe you missed it. That That tweet was a banger. That was a banger. Let's go. Um, you can find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter. Um, the NBA draft dude on YouTube. You can follow no ceilings TV on YouTube, uh, where Rucker and I released our first episode of on the clock, a new, um, a new internet show that we're doing. That's really fun. It's PTI style. So we released episode one. Episode two is going to be dropping on Monday. Something we're really excited about. Episode two is uh, we're going to have special guest Kevin McCullough of Texas Tech has a segment there. I had the opportunity last week to spend time with Texas Tech's um, Kevin McCullough and Wake Forest Jake LaRavia. I watched them work out. Uh, I got to interview them. So those interviews will be on the NBA Draft YouTube channel. They'll have... Um, if you find on the clock on the no ceilings YouTube channel, you'll see fun little segments with them on those episodes. And then you can go to no ceilings, and read my piece, um, on both of those guys and the interview I did with them, which if you're not familiar with either of them, it gives you a look into who they are as people and, you know, what kind of players they'll potentially be at the next level. So, um, shout out to both of those guys. They were really kind with their time and they were kind of like, do with, you know, whatever you want, film, ask us whatever you want. So I think, I think we might get them on the pod at some point before the draft, which will be exciting. Some long form conversation, but those guys were great. So shout out to them. Head to no ceilings, NBA.com subscribe, get NBA draft content delivered Monday through Friday. And, sometimes Sunday for free to your inbox. And if you have not yet, please sh- uh, share, subscribe and rate the draft act Let's NBA go. draft podcast. And as always, we will be back next week with another prospect to get down and dirty, break the positives and the negatives and just keep that draft content coming. No ceilings is taken over. Follow everybody. That's it. We out. Peace. Peace.